0: You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. We invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories. Through nuanced conversations and forward thinking.
1: And not taking ourselves too seriously.
0: Everyone's
2: story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing. But not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray.
1: Welcome back, Faye Gray family, listeners, and friends. I hope you guys had a great holiday season. I know that we did. This health series has been off the chain. It's been amazing. Like, honestly, I didn't... It's been awesome. I'm going to be full confession here. When we first started talking about, like, doing what's our next series we're going to do, we said we should do one on health. You know, it's it's important. It's, you know, there's a lot of great areas, and we're like, okay, well... I'm like, it is important. We should do it. But I didn't think I was going to have nearly as much fun or and meet like doctors who like I would want to talk to again and maybe like on multiple occasions and stuff like that. And, um, it really kind of inspired me to like covertly make some changes in my life because of some other things that we've discussed that has been happening that, um, just making some wisdom decisions that have to do with health. So um, as we were editing and putting everything together, uh, me and Chris realized that a couple of the different doctors that we had on, Dr. Pete from the, the first episode on the series and Dr. Jerry with a G from the very last episode you guys heard, um, both spoke on something called anti-aging. And, and how it's like a thing now in the medical community and, and lots of funding is, and research is going behind all this. And um, I couldn't help but be like, man, I told Chris, I'm like, we really should have maybe do another episode on this sometime. And he's like, well, let's do it now. I'm like, it's Christmas. No one's going to want to do this. And so <laughs> I think it was like Christmas Eve, like we're sending out text messages and emails and and both these these doctors were willing to come on and and meet each other, and have this conversation, and deal with us yet again. So it's a treat. So both of you guys, welcome.
3: Well, thank you very much. I think it's a great time to get started because right around the corner is New Year's Eve, and people make their New Year's Eve resolutions. And there's a big uh, change in uh, habit lifestyles after, uh, after New Year's, and there's a decrease in smoking and weight loss, and people make a lot of big decisions uh, at that time. So I think, it'd be, I think it's a perfect time to start talking about it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. But but wait a second. This is a health series, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. What what in the world does aging have to do with health? Well, I
2: mean, it's a byproduct of, of aging, right? Your health deteriorates. It's a disease, Seth.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's definitely laws of physics involved here. So, but the it whole is, is not
4: a disease. People want
3: to live longer, and people want. To, but you need to be healthy to live longer. And what's the point of living longer if you're not enjoying it? You know, you want to have your mental capacity. You want to be able to get around. You want you got to take care of your health so you can enjoy your time. You know,
0: we we define life as lifespan, which is a chronological dating system. But we, we're starting to look at something called health span, which is another new concept that we're not just talking about living a long period of time. We're talking about living well for a period of time. Amen. And, you know, you, you guys say, well, health, what... When you're healthy, you mitigate and you lessen all those problems that are going to come down the road. And, you know, what is, the, I always say, what is the number one fear of most men out there? And it's Alzheimer's. So this is how you mm. avoid these things.
1: Well, Dr. Jerry, I'm going to go ahead and ask you because we had you on in the, for the whole medical marijuana conversation. And you mentioned how you got into medical marijuana through an anti aging conference. Um, what does marijuana have to do with anti aging? I didn't ask you that last time, I don't think. So here's my chance.
0: Well, again, we must look at the, the whole plant. You know, I, I, people get turned off by the term marijuana, and I like to use the word hemp instead, but still, we're, we're still talking about the same sequence of molecules. Very interesting research is currently being done on uh, this, quote, sacred plant. And Alzheimer's is a disease where we get inflammation or uh, Really bad things going on in the brain, right? So people start losing brain function and memory, and um, and all these diseases that you can get concerned about, which are multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's, are all the byproduct of something called neuroinflammation. And interesting. We sh- we can now begin to show, at least in rodent models, that that CBD and some of the other plant pieces, which are the terpenes and the THC, can said, slow down this inflammation in the brain. So if, if I can slow down inflammation in the brain, I can't correct your Alzheimer's, but I can help you, you know, prolong it from it when it happens, or keep it at a lower level than otherwise would have happened.
2: Mm, that makes a lot of sense. You're, you're essentially slowing down the process.
3: You know, inflammation is the big deal. You know, The more you can slow it down, the better. My first foray into medicine is when I was in college. I said, well, I needed to get a job in the medical field to see some stuff. And so I worked as an orderly in a nursing home. It was my first thing to do. And I was hired to help get people out of their beds into the dining hall and back. And I was hired to work on what they called the sick wing. The nursing home had two wings. Uh, and I was just shocked. I'm in a nursing home. There's people in their 60s and 70s in the nursing home. Uh, I, that took me off guard. And they weren't well. They weren't mobile. And i been working there for a couple of weeks. Um, when uh, they sent me for some supplies, and I finally went over to the healthy wing. And the healthy wing is where all the 80- and 90-year-olds were at. And wow. I also looked at them, and they were a lot more active. They were—they were doing stuff. They were there because they had dementia; they could no longer care for themselves for some reason. But they were thinner. There was a barely—you know—the women were barely 100 pounds. The men were 150 pounds. They were thin. And I went back to the sick wing, and everybody there was easily 50, if not 100 pounds more, and younger. I was like, "Wow, uh, being thin apparently is the fountain of youth." You know, that was the first thing that dawned to me. You know, even before I got to medical school, and it just. And it plays on with the inflammation. Every time you burn a calorie, you create a free radical. Every time a free radical, it's going to bind to something else and damage Are it, you fat it. shaming
1: right now, Pete?
3: No, I, I am, I am <laughs> sugar <laughs> shaming. I am inflammation shaming. Because uh, it's every, every calorie, and it's going to happen to all of us. We're all going to, uh, we're constantly having to deal with free radicals. And everybody's like, oh, we need to eat foods with antioxidants. Well, how about we just eat less oxidants? you know, you know, so we don't have to antioxidants as much. The inflammation, like I said, the inflammation of the brain, kidney, the organ, your knees, all this inflammation is made worse by every calorie we eat. And the thinner you are, the longer
2: you live.
1: So definitely nutrition is important. And, you know, we talked a lot about that with you and the Joe health, uh, shout out to oh, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Gaiman. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm also curious, like what's what's science or medicine doing in the areas of like supplements or research? I know I just asked Jerry about uh, like the new, like maybe say cannabinoid side of things, but what are some other um, new maybe supplements or things that seem to be Able to whether it's reducing inflammation or other things that could increase longevity in life.
3: Exactly, and when you say supplements, I hear the pharmaceutical industry, and they don't—they only care about profits. They don't care about you living mm. longer. When you talk to the scientific community, they're going to talk to you about whole foods, eating the food in its original form, uh, not breaking it down. Uh, the single food that seems to be connected between all the groups of people they study that live long periods of time is beans. And they're like, oh, well, let's take the fiber in the beans. So let's take the phylates in the beans or the lectin. And it's, in, it's not the individual components that give the better. It's the, the, the whole is better than the sum of its parts. You need to eat the food in its original form to get the benefit.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's like eat the apple, not the apple juice.
3: Absolutely. So I'm going back to Hippocrates. Let, let uh, food be your medicine. Uh, which then also means then now your medicine's food, and you need to eat the right amount. You just don't go, go out and eat a hundred grapes. You eat a serving of grapes, uh, and you know, like you don't go. I have a headache. I'm going to take thirty Tylenol. You know, that would be that would put you in the hospital.
1: <laughs> so you don't sound like you're a fan of supplements at all, then, or something. You, if you no, could get like the no, nutrients out of something, you want to get the whole plant or the whole whatever it came from. So
3: because now we're into you know, most supplements are completely unregulated. It means no one's watching, looking over their shoulder. Uh, when consumer reports goes to most supplement makers, a lot of them won't even tell them how much lead is in the supplement. Ooh, because the acceptable level of lead in your supplement is zero. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> how much arsenic is in there? How much cadmium? Please tell us. Oh, you won't even give us a report. So they, they, sh- they shout out consumer reports, you know, and the FDA won't even doesn't even ask, but sometimes they'll go in and see, is the product they say is in the supplement in there? It's often not mm-hmm. in there. I mean, they took 400 samples of over-the-counter Viagra. Not a single one of them had sildenafil, the active ingredient in Viagra. Not one.
2: Oh, wow. So what? no
3: one's watching them.
2: Seth, that's why it's not working for you, buddy.
3: So when I hear supplements, I hear money-making, I hear an industry talk. So I don't want to talk about supplements. I want to talk about longevity. And the best way to start with any scientific process is observation. Let's observe long-living people. And let's observe the opposite. Let's observe people who live very short periods of time and see what's going on. And from observation, then you can start studying deep into it. Then you can find uh, your answers. Uh, And so one group of looking at the people who live the longest is the blue zones. Uh, If you look, green is average, average lifespan. Uh, Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the Democrats. People are dying quicker. (laughs) And so they they just pick blue for the parts of the planet where people are living lower. Uh, Okinawa... Mediterranean Islands, uh, the uh, Seventh Day Advents in, in Loma Linda, there's a group in Costa Rica and all these people are living well into their 80s and 90s, highly functioning with all their brain population. They're not taking supplements. What are they eating? They're eating a diet which everybody knows they should be eating. Lots of fruits and vegetables, salads, beans and, and fish. Uh, the fish is nice, but it's actually not the, uh, the main component. If you're going to have some meat, it's a better meat choice than other meats. Uh, but if they ate the, f- the fish, is actually the harmful thing in the diet.
2: Oh wow! You know, mercury, right?
3: Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You can't get fish without mercury, and it's and it's not a new thing. It's not industrial pollutions. They they uh, found mercury that's been uh, uh, preserved uh, in museums from the 1600s had the same mercury content that the fish have now. It's mm. fish eat fish eat fish eat fish. Is they 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 keep concentrating the mercury in themselves.
1: Mm. Well, awesome. Well, Doctor Jerry, I want to know the same thing from you. Like, where do you stand on like the like supplements, or do you think you is there is it worth you know concentrating on like you know like well this nutrient does this, so if I take more of it, then you know I'm doing that. Or where where you do where do you stand on the same question?
0: So I'm the flip side of him. Okay. All right. Well, oh, oh, it. It. I want to hear this. <laughs> well, uh, we also need to define a couple of things here. One, I want to deal in the world of what we call nutraceuticals. So, nutraceuticals are supplements that are made by upstanding companies that you can get. I can immediately call them and validate what's in that supplement, as opposed to going to a Costco or a Walmart. Or, don't mean to beat on them, but you have inferior quality, like Dr. Peter said, and all these, you know, you get the stuff online, and it's just, it's, it's been, you know, it's, there's a lot of impurities. So, I, I define this, the, the term nutraceuticals. The other side of that, what he talked about is diet, although diet is absolutely correct, the most important thing we can do, the nutrient value of our food has gone down dramatically over time, so that we get a decreased amount of nutrients from the volume of food we eat right now. So we do create some degree of nutrient deficiency, even if you're on the healthiest diet, um, even if you try to do organic as much as you can, or do farm-raised, so we do suffer from some, a lot of nutrient deficiency. We live in a, a society that eats a very calorie dense and nutrient deficient
3: society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm oh, I'm going up against a wall, you know, because I am I am promoting the hardest thing to do, which is to change your diet. But I've decided to do it. I'm, I'm going to go Don Quixote on this, and I'm just going to keep <laughs> charging that windmill of trying to change people. I just bought a book last week on how to have impossible conversations how to get people to change, how to, you know, meet them. Cause that's, that's my job, family practice doctor. I have 25 you know, patients a day and I've got to turn them one degree <laughs> each time I meet them and, and, and not turn them off and get them to come back. And let's, you know, I got to see the things from their point of view you know, presented from their point of view and say, but can we just look over there a little bit? See, there's a little bit more hope over here. I think about and my so,
1: grandparents though, who do eat well and have always eat mm-hmm. well, but they, but then they also have a whole like a line of pills on their counter that they eat every, or take every morning a, a, along with, I am thinking, shout out to my grandfather who like, you know, was running well into his seventies and stuff. And, and like trying to live that type of healthy lifestyle, but they, but, they also were taking quite a bit of supplements. So mm-hmm. has like science changed on that, or is I mean like they're they're still kicking? I don't know.
3: I think they're wasting their money on all the supplements. You know, it's very easy to spend a hundred dollars a month, or in, and even more if you want to go with some of the some of the ones I've been looking at lately. Uh, you know, and a healthy diet is six to seven dollars a day.
4: Let's define supplement. Like, are we talking like vitamins that I buy at hy V? When when we say supplements, what are we even talking about?
1: Well, Doctor Jerry said, so what "Was it the Nutra supplement or something? What would you call so, it?" So, uh, uh, nutraceutical, nutraceutical.
2: Would that be stuff like B three, uh, resveratrol, and all that stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. So if
0: you look at if you look at the studies on resveratrol that came out of David Sinclair and Harvard, yeah. resveratrol had an anti aging effect.
2: Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I mean, it's, just,
0: it's still a pre- preliminary study, but they're beginning to prove. If you really want to get scientific, eventually we have to affect this thing called the mTOR system, uh, which is what causes aging. And, And there are certain things in the cycle of the body that if you can turn these signals off, you can start to slow down this idea of what we define as aging, which is what he talked about, oxidative stress causing inflammation, causing the body to start to go in a direction it doesn't want
2: to go. And what causes that? I mean, besides poor diet, I mean, it, it's just a natural thing that happens as you get older, right? The Bible causes that, right, Seth? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good Lord.
4: Well, well, the Bible does speak to it. Uh, <laughs> it does.
2: I'm not interested in that.
4: <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it does. It, it, there are verses that are in relation in Genesis to this. Yeah, okay. Genesis
0: does talk about man living to 120. It and does.
3: so far, the oldest living man on record with a birth certificate—or actually, woman—is 124 years.
4: You know. No, that can't. Now, listen. That can't. That's not. <laughs> I know. That. that <laughs> it's bad She math. must not have aged. She so, must not accounted. So, she was 100 sorry, she Must know. have
3: miscounted. There must be a typo. She started
1: smoking weed, and she was like 119, mm-hmm. and it gave her a that's couple right. extra years. She actually <laughs> did smoke.
2: <laughs> she actually no. did smoke weed. She actually did. No, she oh, just I smoked. Know. But yeah. Oh. Okay. Gotcha. But <laughs> again, I would,
0: I would go back to
3: observational point of view there's a disease called progeria uh the poor kids look like they're 80 when they're eight eight.
2: Oh uh, yeah they, I've, they I've rapidly
3: rapidly age uh and they know what's going on there's a gene defect uh they create a chemical called progerin and it disrupts the wall that holds the nucleus of the cell together and they literally disintegrate the cells are oh. literally just falling apart and this progerin is produced by all of us they're just producing it a whole lot faster and it's just believe the progerin builds up in us, and it's what ages us. You know, there's, you know, until someone finds a way to stop the production of progerin, I think we're still got this 120 year thing. The whole thing is health span. What can we do to stay highly functioning? You look at the blue zones, uh, the people on, in these Mediterranean islands, and Okinawa, and, and this uh, vegetarian group in California. 80s and 90s, working at their jobs. These guys in these islands are out fishing in their 80s. They're going up and down. They're running their stores. They're doing the math. They're very social. They take afternoon naps, and I am so jealous. Uh, <laughs> but I've started, I've started arranging my schedule at least a couple times a week to have a two-hour lunch so I can take an hour nap, and it is wonderful. Nice. It feels so good. Uh, and so just, you know, and and I'm – The best way to look at longevity is look at what are they doing and how can I reproduce that without having to buy anything but just food in my stores. Uh, We're eating highly processed food. The nutritional content of our food has dramatically dropped. But a grape is a grape. Uh, Beans are beans. You know, uh, they're non-modified. It doesn't have to be, uh, in in my opinion, doesn't have to be organic. That's just a process of how how it's made. You know, not worry if it's clean. Wash it off, you know.
1: Just interrupt Dr. P. He, he, he mm-hmm. doesn't have a stop.
3: <laughs> uh, I, I have rambolitis, so be sure to interrupt. My, my wife picks me on the table on a regular basis. I'm stepping in right now, because, so I
4: because this is the deal. I am a millennial, and when I think about my life, all right, I'm being real. I'm being real. I'm being honest because I think a lot of people can identify with this. If I am to look at my life with everything and all of my responsibilities, okay, I'm going to go the cheapest route possible. And this is 2019. We're about to get to 2020. Shouldn't we start having some answers? Because reg- I hear, Dr. Pete, you're very holistic. I feel like you're all about purity in its truest form. Um, but I don't like that. I like to but take it's, a pill but but and it, it ch- tricks me. All right, Just like my clients think they can debt. take a pill.
3: You have mountains of debt, and you're not in ma- upper not management yet making big bucks. <laughs> and so, therefore, you need the cheapest option, which well, is I'm just buy just saying, food.
1: Honor your father and mother, Seth, and you'll live a long life. That's all you got to do. Oh, God. Just <laughs> go to Aldi, Seth.
4: What you I, go to Aldi I, and I'm get I'm just saying, really cheap are fruit. we not to a point in our society and within the scientific community where we can start looking at some actual solutions. We have actual solutions.
0: I mean, let's let's talk about the stuff that's fairly inexpensive. Sunlight, activity. I mean, you know, the the, the kids don't even play in the yards anymore, right? Everybody sits in front of a box. So sunlight, very good for you. Activity, I mean, it's been proven it's the best medicine for depression, but
4: yet, we don't tell our depressed patients we give them an ssri or a pill i will say on a daily basis just letting you know i'm a well in my job i frequently talk to people in which that is something i say that literally the um the natural antidepressant is serotonin which we create by exercise Absolutely. and that we should do that more frequently like literally by exercising
2: it's the, Says same, the guy that never exercises you know <laughs> You my talk job, is what I say.
0: <laughs> but but I mean, if you want to talk about higher-end therapies, then you, you talk about sauna. I mean, the studies that came out of Finland, they did better with high blood pressure and cholesterol by taking a sauna than taking pills. So sauna is another wonderful way, natural detox. Mm, if you wow. get infrared sauna, you also get light therapy. So there's, there's definitely some anti-aging effects to both of that because sweating is really critical to detoxing your body. You know, we're talking about diet, but we also have to get rid of the impurities that are in our body, you know, and that's, that's the problem you run with people that are overweight. By 2030, half our population is going to be obese, Ooh. And, and, and adiposity or fat is toxic. Yes, I'm fat shaming. So um, <laughs> Good for you.
2: <laughs> own it. Fat, own i would fat, I wouldn't say that. We,
0: but, <laughs> but, you know, we, we have to get this message out there that, you know, you know we're killing ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're, ki- we're killing ourselves slowly. I mean, we, we live in a world for the first time, we have better medicine than any other time in the history of mankind, yet we've suddenly turned the, the, the corner and we're living shorter. Right. I mean, that was a message that didn't get out to a lot of people this year is that actual life expectancy of a male actually went down for the first time ever. Oof.
3: And, and the main thing is actually from the overdoses from uh, opioids okay. in, in the US, that that's, was a sudden change. Smoking, uh, nineteen fifty was, was nearly fifty percent. It's down to fifteen percent uh, nationwide. Uh, that's been I don't huge direction, having had it, having a turn finally, <laughs> and a slightly decreased uh, COPD and and issues there. So it has been heading down. Uh, car accidents are way death from car accidents are way way down because they finally built better cars, the airbags, the crumple zones. Uh, we're driving like idiots still, but you know, uh, <laughs> of
2: cell you know people phones. are dying
3: less in car wrecks and all of a sudden, boom, this, uh, this fentanyl, you know, this elephant tranquilizer that they, st- you know, that people started taking, it's killing people left and right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's horrible, but cigarettes are still the biggest killer. Alcohol still kills, even at the increased rate of opioid death, alcohol kills way more, uh, than, than all the illicit drugs combined. And cigarettes kills three times, uh, at least twice that number of, that alcohol kills every every day. So, and they're both perfectly legal, which is the you know. But we're not going to prohibition doesn't work.
2: What kills more people, obesity or cigarette smoking?
3: Cigarette smoking, by far.
2: Wow. Okay.
3: I mean, yeah, yeah. Cigarette smoking is just absolutely horrid, and we're decreasing it. Says so great. It, it, sadly, is the is the, the the numbers shift. I mean, we are smoking less. You know, people are dying slightly less of cigarette smoking, but the obesity is going to catch it and surpass it you know so we got to get ahead of this curve and start move working on it
2: you've offended seth i don't know if i believe that
4: dr pete
3: no it's okay i believe I, I isn't can, there, I is isn't links, it you know? isn't <laughs> it with okay hold up <laughs> this is epidemiology <laughs> this is established numbers
4: <laughs> i don't want to argue with a doctor but like yeah you should
2: because you don't know anything i
4: don't and i'm speaking i don't know what i'm saying but no. i thought that it was
3: causality doesn't equal no uh causation causality you got to make sure i mean it can be you can get things confused you know if, if, if careful, right you know. well
4: it
2: just Seth, the, every time you smoke a cigarette you're changing your dna let's move on okay okay <laughs> so all right you were talking about the gene uh, that was, I guess like maybe the purpose of aging or whatever, the one that well, affected it, the little kids, what one was it called? the many
3: things. Obviously there's many things going on, but progeria, yeah, there's a gene. They've isolated the gene. They found the, the, the protein that it's making and they called it progerin.
2: Cool. So why don't we just take uh, CRISPR Cas9 in there and just edit that sucker out?
3: Make it legal, mm. you know, cause now we got mutant people and, and do that in every cell in the body. We haven't figured out that one. You can take a an egg and change it and grow, you know, grow the baby. And that guy's in trouble in China for doing that. He took kids whose parents had a, a genetic defect that was horrible and they wanted to have kids and he crispered it out and created two kids and the Chinese government almost disappeared him, you know, cause he embarrassed wow. them horribly. <laughs> uh, right. but yeah, so mutant children we're not ready for that yet, but yeah, it, the technology exists to create a baby that won't have progerin. but to do that every cell in the body. I don't think that technology exists.
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean, you, you, you can open up that can of worms is because stem cell therapy is one of the most interesting frontiers that we have out there. Um, and to Dr. Peter's point, he's absolutely correct. The problem is that you would love to use this correctly. The problem is, it's going to be used incorrectly. Right. And, and how, how ethically once you open the box, you can't control it. So, you know, Taking your own stem cells or taking a, a fetal stem cell, which is a basic cell that can replicate it in almost anything you want it to, it has tremendous potential for ridding disease, longevity, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. The problem is ethically when you open the box, what happens?
1: Right. You have people start, you know, sewing like younger versions of themselves together so they can live longer. Like I, I heard that some stuff on Joe Rogan was tripping me out. Was that like Sinclair? What was his, his first name, Chris? David, David Sinclair. David Sinclair. Yeah. Um, he was on Joe Rogan. I was listening to him. So that was one of my questions. And it's just to see where I'm going to direct this question to Dr. Jerry first and then Pete, um, as the same question. Um, how do you guys feel about the like i'm gonna call it young blood science i don't know what it's technically called but basically where the idea of like you know sewing a, a younger mouse together with an older mouse and it actually like prolonged the life of the older mouse and and how it somehow is helping the like prolong their dna from breaking down or did either you know about this at all and if so what's your opinion on this where do you stand
0: I, I've not heard of that. What I've heard is there are there are men, especially men, that are getting donations of blood from younger people, which again backs to the whole stem cell thing. So we know that this is happening. Um is
1: that the one percent, st- like the elite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um where I stand on it again. I'm I'm concerned about where you go with this once you open it up. Now, the flip side of that is I am a very scientific experimental person and am very interested in any therapy out there that can improve life, improve health span, and improve longevity. So again, in my clinic, we use a lot of cutting edge things that most people have never heard of, but actually have great efficacy. Like? Peptides. What's that? So peptides are small protein. They link them together. Um, but what we, what the, all these, all the, um, information has actually come out of Europe. We are using injectable peptides to heal. Um, I've used them personally and avoided surgery on two different occasions. So, um, it's a whole new, it's, it's, it's they have it for the brain. They have it for healing. They have it for obesity. Um, very exciting area. Early research is going on. on it.
1: Sounds similar to stem cell, but, but it's a protein, huh?
0: It's a, it's a protein. It's not made from, uh, you know, human donor. Huh? Very cool. Do you get it injected or is it something that you consume? Um, it's now for certain ones. It's now available orally. Um, it has been mainly an injectable for, um, since its onset. Awesome. So now there's beginnings of it to be orally uh, available. With great efficacy.
1: So, Doctor Pete, same question. So yeah. that was that completely foreign to you, or have you heard like? Well, I've heard about nonsense. people
3: and getting blood from other people. It's basically vampirism, you know. Uh,
1: it sounded. I mean, sowing. it sounded like it to me. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, I'm like, dude, dude's a vampire. Sowing but,
3: somebody onto you is akin to cannibalism or slavery. So there's yeah, huge or horrible things to go. Uh, there are parts of the world where people are having their organs uh, harvested from them right, involuntarily. Yeah. That is a uh, not a small market. Uh, and, uh, people in prisons in some countries, you know, it's like, oh, you lost your right to your kidney, you know? Wow. And so those, those are real things. So we need to step away from that and focus on ethically increasing our health span without spending a lot of money so we can spend it on other things that are more fun, uh, and our family (laughs) and our, and our offspring. And, you know, I have, Things to do with my money, so I want to keep my longevity plan to be very cheap. Uh, I have a grocery list for my patients. I give them; uh, it comes out to six to seven dollars a day. You know, so it's it's, it's you affordable. know, we could do that without taking somebody else's blood or sewing uh, somebody else's organ into your body to provide you some you know questionable, dubious benefits. And
4: those peptides were not coming from other humans. I would note you said that
0: they no, are
3: they're not; they're being synthesized in a lab. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So
1: I guess that but that was kind of why I was asking that question. Obviously, I want to kind of see where you guys stand on it.
0: We're beginning to get some some real traction on some research regarding some of these things. Mm -hmm. So um, it's I mean, there's a lot of what I would call Star Wars therapy out there. And I don't tend to agree with that. But I mean, in between, there's some really interesting science that's going on. There's some really smart people that are doing some good things.
2: You mentioned earlier David Sinclair, and he's one of the guys that actually says aging is a disease. You know, you shouldn't be limited to your 120 years. I mean, he's talking about people living 200 years in some of the episodes that I've listened to him talk about. What do you guys think about that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the the true answer is. Sinclair, and I I, I totally get where he's coming from. I think we're going to, for some people, push the limits now. Um, I, I think that there are therapies out there, but again, so much of this is lifestyle. So much of this is what what are you willing to do, you know? Um, how much are you willing to exercise, eat right, um, and do all the things that generally were required, you know? So you can, you know, the other thing about this, thing, you know, you have, we haven't even talked about is none of the blue zones were subject to the amount of stress that we're, we put ourselves under, and stress is a killer. And I that's um,
4: actually something I was wanting to go to uh, in regards to the ACE study and cortisol levels. Um, have, do you guys know anything in regards to cortisol and its effect on the body due to stress? Yeah, it
0: shrinks your, some, a part of your brain called the hippocampus. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I really want that part of my brain shrunk. No. <laughs> I definitely don't either. Um, no, there's, there's clear studies now with this chronic elevation of cortisol um, causing di- what, you know, what you call malregulation of the body and cortisol a- adds more sugar. And I can tell you if a woman's cortisol stays up, she can't lose weight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, uh, right. and, and we live in this, you know, I say, I always joke about it cause you know, if I know people, if they could work 25 hours, they would. And, and we're not taking care of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, which is why, um, if you change the way you live, yeah, I think Sinclair's got a lot of validity. If you don't change the way you live, which is exactly what Dr. Peter's talking about, you know, you're know, you going to suffer the ravages of aging.
2: So it's not like you can just take a pill uh, that Dr. Sinclair talks about right. and there'll be I don't be think it's that easy. I mean, I right. think that
0: that's a piece of it, but I I don't yeah. think it's... I, I think you have to do all the other pieces. I mean, I think that you're going to find that there are, are certain... Uh, pills or bottles or tinctures or shots that certainly are advantageous to your longevity. I mean, I think we're going to see that in the next ten years. At, at at the base, still, it's 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 stuff you got to do every day. Am I sleeping? Am I de-stressing? Am I eating right? Am I exercising right? I mean, it's a whole package. Yeah.
3: I was just bringing up Sinclair's website here on his own thing about him. I mean, he's you know Harvard. Uh, research at MIT has got all the credentials and he says it, here it's reducing calories, calorie restriction changes a lot of these chemicals. My first thing I notice is that thin people live longer. What can I right. do to do that? And it's not about, I don't talk about weight loss in my clinic at all about looking better. It's all about living longer and feeling better. When I give my people a diet, there's no calories on the diet. Just here, just eat these foods. I only give them amounts just first eat the healthy foods first. And then most people start losing weight anyway because they're so filling. You know, right. you're full and you're feeling better. Uh, they they do so many good things good for you. Then if I'm not, still not losing weight, I'm like, okay, let's be honest. Where are you breaking the diet? Uh, let's actually start talking on some serving size and calorie restriction. But that's only about 10 or 20% of the people need to actually be taught calorie restriction and calorie counting once they start eating the right foods.
2: Well, I'm very glad that you brought up uh, calorie restriction. How do you guys feel, or, or is there like studies being done, and, and you know what's the, the new research on uh, this new fad that's coming around, intermittent fasting? Uh, is that so something that – I want that- to
0: dispute that because it is not a fad. Yeah. It's been, yeah. It is not a fad. It's so let's, well let's talk about it. Science. Yeah. Uh, so I will tell you that the gentleman who really did the most eloquent research on this is out of USC and should have won the Nobel Prize for this. Oh, Wow. I mean that's it's that important. It's huge. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, why talking. is it important? And what is intermittent fasting? So intermittent fasting is a pattern of eating. That's that's all it is. It's a pattern of eating. You, um, there are many ways to do it. There, the most simplistic is what we call timed eating, where you're fasted for 16 hours and then you feed during an eight hour window. Um, mm-hmm. There's alternate day fasting, where you go a full day with either complete calorie restriction uh, or a very minimal amount. There's prolonged fasting where you're going two to three days of just liquids um, so there's many modalities to this idea of, of of time restricted eating
3: yeah i prefer eating brunch and dinner you know <laughs> you know just you know I, when i wake up i'm not in the mood for a lot of food but you know if i going to eat midday uh, and then early afternoon i'm eating in a 6 hour window i'm fasting for 18 hours if i got full control of my life that would be optimal uh, you know, just to spread the calories off in in two meals, just about, you know, four to six hours apart from each other.
2: Uh, You're blaspheming the, the doctor's usual advice that breakfast is the most important meal of the day.
3: If I don't eat within 15 (laughs) minutes, I will feel ill, but I can't eat a lot. You know, I have oatmeal with some blueberries, you know, and that's my breakfast and that'll hold me for, for quite a while. Uh, you gotta, you gotta have the blood flowing, the enzymes going, the bile going, then I can eat a thousand calories at lunch. You know, like I said, I had my ideal, but what I actually do is that's what I actually do. I have about, you have about 300 calories for breakfast, you know, and then I eat, you know, lunch. Uh, and then my, my dinner's really light, you know, so, but I eat within about eight to nine hours and the rest of the time, you know, eat, basically eating after six o'clock is suicidal is, is where a lot of the intermittent fasting guys, you know, their joke is, if you're eating after 6 o'clock, you're killing yourself. What are you doing? You're, everything's going wrong metabolically at that point.
2: So does it really make a difference when you do your fast?
3: Yeah, they actually studied that. Other people say, okay, do your intermittent fasting from you know, 4 in the afternoon to bedtime. Another group did their intermittent fasting from breakfast and quit eating at 4. Uh, and the people who ate early in the day had lower cortisol levels, you know, definitely less stress. They were metabolizing mm-hmm. it better. They lost weight better uh it you know both groups did better than the control group you know that ate you know three meals a day and were allowed to have a bedtime snack of up to 100 calories so they both both beat, beat it so either way you do it you're not doing it wrong front loading the calories to the first half of the day was definitely
2: better. Is there an advantage to doing one fast over the other? So for example, let's say that I want to do the fast where I only eat for the eight hour window during the day every day, or maybe I want to do like what Dr. Jerry said earlier, a longer fast, maybe like two days a week. I want to fast. There's the
3: five and two, uh, just that two days just sounds stressful to me. The thought of it sounds stressful to me and reducing stress is huge. But if that works for your lifestyle, okay, I haven't, really seen a study breaking down complaining five to two to you know early morning only feeding
0: um there's some there's a little bit of research that as you get into the longer fast you start to generate a little more of something called igf1 so um you know again i, I just get people to be compliant i mean you know i have yet to do more than 24 um i, I can't you know um, I think one day I will, you know, go on a long hike and maybe go longer than that. I mean, there's some, uh, again, it's more that you're doing it um, than how you do it. If you like to go um, two days without sustenance and you can do it, great. If if you can, again, it's, it's the pattern. We got to build this pattern of eating because, um, you know, it's, it's, You know, how do you, you know, you don't, you hear it as a fad because there's nobody out there telling you uh, to do it on the TV because there's no money in it. Tell somebody you can't
4: just don't eat. It's not a fad. (laughs) Jesus talked about it, Chris. Gee whiz. We've been been
0: fasting for 5,000 years.
4: (laughs) I thought Uh, that I've been really unhealthy for a long time, but maybe I've been healthy this entire time. (laughs) I don't eat lunch. Because
2: you don't eat lunch. Yeah. I but like, but if you're eating at the beginning of the day and then at the end of the day, you're kind of not really fasting though, right?
4: I mean, I'm just eating dinner. But again, maybe that's bad. Maybe I should
3: just be eating breakfast. I don't know. But that's not necessarily true. And getting getting back to you know the whole paleo thing, you know, early man was a horrible hunter. You know, the best hunting device we ever invented was the fence, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like now we can eat when we want to, and that actually causes a problem. The intermittent fasting is like exercise. You exercise, you put yourself under a stress, but it's good for you. You know, the blood flow gets the parts of the body you don't get to normally, and it flushes out the uh, the backwaters of your body and moves those toxins out. Uh, same thing with when you fast, you're forcing your body to regulate its sugar. So guess what? It gets better at regulating its sugar because you exercised
2: it. And You're also not pounding your body full of sugar all the time.
3: And eating at bad times of day and making bad decisions. I always tell myself, you know, there's no no good decisions made after two beers and there's really not very many good food decisions made after dinner. You know, uh, but you, you, if your body has better sugar regulation, you're not going to get diabetes. It's going to be less stressed because one of its stresses, where's my sugar? The only thing your body eats for energy is glucose. Everything else is, you know, okay, it can fat. burn it. But you know, I don't want to burn the furniture. It's not good for the house. You know, <laughs> I want to burn the sugar, which it, what it wants to burn. Uh, and your body's being less stressed if it can go. Well, I can get my sugar I want to from this stored fat whenever I need it. And thank you very much. And therefore, it's under less stress. And so, intermittent fasting, even though it sounds stressful, leads to less stress.
1: Brunch eat it and dinner.
3: Brunch and dinner. <laughs> that's yeah, that's uh, actually a little Seinfeld joke. There, I'm pretty close
1: <laughs> to. That's what we did for Christmas, by the way. So um, mm-hmm. it was, you know, very festive. But I was yeah. actually thinking about that's pretty much how I eat every day. Um, oh,
3: good for you! You're
1: that's a head Why are so curve. fit? Well, and I don't even really do it on purpose. Because that's just when I'm hungry because um, I set my own hours and work construction, and I'm never hungry in the morning. And so about like 10, 1030, I'm grabbing something to eat, like my breakfast or lunch, whatever I'm filling in that day. And then about 3 o'clock, I'm ravishingly hungry at that point. Basically, where, you're, where you're um, eating
3: like a farmer. I have a whole bunch of farmers here. They wake up and have a piece of bread. They don't even toast. They have a piece of bread, cup of coffee, and they go to work. They, they yeah. do the cows, they do the thing, and they can, then they come in and have breakfast after they work for about two to three hours.
1: Yeah, you eat when you're on hungry. On just that. Yeah.
3: Then they eat the farmer breakfast, your Grand Slam breakfast that you might think is your farmer's breakfast. And then they go out and burn another couple thousand calories, come back in at one o'clock, two o'clock, and have supper. you know uh, And that's their big meal of the day is, is what we would call lunch. They call it supper. It's when you sup. It's when you eat your biggest meal of the day is what the word means. Uh, and that's when they eat those are calories and then they have a light dinner. And that's the average farmer that I talk to that are my patients who are fit and doing very well. But they're burning three thousand calories a day.
1: Yeah. Normally where I mess up is I'll get hungry one more time before I go to bed and eat like a bowl of cereal or something Ooh. sugary. I am mm-hmm. addicted I'm addicted to sugar. I'll just throw it out there. I'm not even gonna So yeah. I think everyone is. And so that but if I end up cutting just that last meal out am my like I dropped weight ridiculously crazy.
3: Try, if you're going to eat something, try a watery fruit or honestly, Captain Boring here, Uh, just a (laughs) big glass of water.
1: You know,
2: water fills me up.
3: Water works.
1: It's it's the munchies. What can I say?
3: Yeah, it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, okay. So just to go back real quick as an anecdotal story about intermittent fasting, uh, Mm -hmm. I did that for several months last year and the year before and felt phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did, you know, an, an eight-hour window where I would eat, and then the rest of the time I wouldn't. What's the longest you so, ever fasted for, Chris? Well, I, I I didn't do like a whole day fast or anything. I would just do the the whole thing where I only eat breakfast and then lunch, and then I wouldn't eat anything past that. And I did that every day, and it was, you know, really really awesome. I did that for several months. I did two weeks when I was in Alaska. Two weeks of
1: no eating. Yeah, I, I, I had a guy that I was there with that did a month. Water, yeah. water only. He's gonna live forever. Mm. Jesus. That's yes, we were, Not. you know, trying to get close to God. <laughs> Amen. Took you to
4: great places.
1: I mean, it was, it was definitely an experience. I mean, that was probably the thinnest I was ever in my life. We did a thing called Daniel Fest. Um, and we kind of did it all over all areas of life, even into, like, technology, where basically we were cutting all processed anything out. And, um, you know, there in Alaska, we were getting roadkill. So we were eating a lot of moose, a lot of salmon. Um, me. black bear you know and <laughs> um and then like you know olive oil honey instead of sugar and we would just i would eat until i couldn't move and then be hungry two hours later and be dropping pounds it was ridiculous i got down to it was like 175 i'd never been that thin before in my life and then as soon as daniel fest ended you know i gained like 30 pounds back
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> if you if you look there's we don't have it in humans to uh, Completely, but we do have it in, uh, at least in the, the laboratory things that they study. That the the ones that are leaner and more caloric restricted tend to have longer lifespans. So that, I mean that's been proven on a genetic basis at at a lower level, not at the mammal level. But you can uh, you can take what you want out of that. It,
3: oh, they they have done it with mice though. Yes. I saw a study on mice. Yeah, on yeah. That, yeah. So, so I've so. done
0: it with the you know, they've done it with worms. They've done it with mice. Yeah. So
1: how come tall people don't have a longer lifespan? How come it seems like like the 7-foot seven, seven people don't live you know beyond like 50 years well, old? Well,
3: excess growth hormone is not good. IGF he, he mentioned insulin-like growth factor. Uh, you know, guys with uh, you know, growth hormone, you know, the uh Andre the Giant, yeah. yeah, they they don't they don't live long. They mainly have cardiac issues because it it's heart, the heart can't pump that much blood around, they go into heart failure and die. Wow. You know, they don't get cancer or diabetes. They get heart failure. They just can't pump. They gotta pump that blood to the brain. The whole show exists to keep the brain with blood flow. You know, I mean that's this whole we we are a brain in a in a in a bottle, you know, and machinery to just keep the brain happy sounds and like going. a pop song. You know, well, it sounds like a science fiction movie.
2: Can you believe that the brain named itself?
3: If you get taller, the distance between your heart and your head, you know, six inches more—that's a lot more work to pump uphill against gravity all the time, except when you're lying down. It's just hard. Then you got to pump all that blood to the organs, and it's it's just—it's just—it's too much work. Well, there there is a group. There is a group of uh, uh, dwarves who live in uh, Ecuador. They uh, don't. How you say Middle Earth? earth. (laughs) No, they, they only live at three feet tall. They're not acromegalic. They don't have the short arms. They're actually just really small people. They're proportionally yeah. normal. Uh, they uh, make no IGF.
2: Hmm. Wow. And
3: they don't get any cancer. They wow. never die of cancer. Wow. They die of accidents at twice the normal rate because the world is not built for them.
2: <laughs> no, it's and not. Falling
3: downstairs is one of their most common causes of dying because wow. stair- imagine if you're just, you know, kids fall downstairs more adults because they're built for us, not them. Uh, but they never get cancer. IGF promotes healthy cells to turn cancerous. It helps them leave and move when they get into a new spot and helps them get into bones and organ. and then it helps them hook up the blood supply and keep them going. IGF-1 is a killer, and we can eat foods that help our bodies make less IGF. We actually have an IGF binding protein we make that binds it up and gets rid of it, and you can lower it in as short as two weeks of changing your diet to eating less animal meat.
4: Okay. This was mentioned earlier, but that as we age, our cells deteriorate. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So how do, we, how do you biologically determine someone's age? Is it just telomeres. by? Yep. Tell us about that.
0: What are those? So in your genetic makeup, your DNA, there are mm-hmm. little caps on the end, and they're called telomeres. And every time the cell has to divide and make a new cell, the, the telomere shortens. And so the degree of telomere shortening determines the life of the cell. So once the telomeres get shorter, the cell dies.
2: Oh, okay. Wow. Okay.
3: And, and every time it divides is based on how much you feed it and how much growth hormone stimulant, IGF, is out there. More IGF, the cells in your body is reproduced faster. Uh, So then eat less calories, you divide slower, you shorten your telomeres slower. Uh, There's an enzyme called telomerase that's always working, trying to keep it going. And there's some things that we do bad. Stress slows down our telomerase. So our repair crew that's trying to keep the cap on it, the cap at the end of the chromosome healthy, uh, is is wearing off. So yeah, we're grown. We're tall. We're as as big as we're going to get. We need to not keep growing.
1: Pete, you mentioned stress a couple of times in good context mm-hmm. and in negative context. And so yeah. why don't you go ahead and just quickly for listeners define like a good stress and good, a bad, bad stress. stress. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, good stress is, is uh, exercise. Good stress is intermittent fasting. Uh, good stress is having a conversation with someone, emoting and interacting with people. You guys are stressing me out, man. You're making me think. <laughs> My brain's going, going. And I love it. You know, good stress produces happy hormones. I am flowing with dopamine right now. I'm just loving you guys.
1: You're in your (laughs) zone right now for sure. You know, I I
3: enjoy competitive games. I'm a board gamer. But it's good stress. The brain's going. We're interacting. Social interaction is huge (laughs) for longevity. It keeps the the brain going because I got to remember, your name is Str- Seth, and your name stress. is. Stress. Your, <laughs> your name is. You know, but well, I, mean, I have horrible names.
0: Pete, you know. I don't so think Dr. you know what you just got, did to yeah. me. <laughs>
3: yeah, do just, just I re- don't think them. you're aware, but that's going to get give you out. Special therapy. We're going to have to set up something special for you, Seth. So, but, but good stress, it's good for you. Bad stress is sleep deprivation. Uh, bad stress yeah. is social isoliz- is isolation. It's torture to put someone in social isolation uh it, it, it's a it's uh it should be outlawed but they do it in jails all the time uh it, it is stressful to eat foods that create bad chemical reactions and it's it's bad for us to inhale burned things tobacco it's you know you know it's you know stop inhaling burning things you, you know. hear that boys uh, you know you know so J- it's just,
1: just uh, the we'd... smoke of my enemies <laughs>
3: <laughs> just, just their ashes and their tears and the sorry Gonna start quoting Conan here before he minutes. So I'm gonna stop it. <laughs> um, you know, but you know, so it's good stress and bad stress. And we and uh, mid afternoon nap. It's fantastic. You know, whenever I can, I will lay down. Even at work, if I can't get away, uh, there's a couch in my in my uh, in my our our bullpen. We call it where the doctors hang out. And there's a couch, and I'll catch a 15 minute nap. I'm the king of the 15 minute nap. I can lay down and wake up in 15 minutes without setting alarm. Get a quick little bit of REM, and I'm good to go. It's better than a cup of coffee. And coffee's fine for you. I'm pro coffee.
2: Oh, thank goodness! Whew. It's an
3: antidepressant, and the 88 year old guy who was giving a longevity I went to, he had a big slide. Said coffee and caffeine. He goes, "I've been drinking six cups of coffee for 60 years. I have not yet found one article to prove it does anything bad. If you, as you don't have a problem with coffee, coffee's not a problem."
2: Oh, well, that's good news for me. And it makes you poop.
3: And that makes you poop. Pooping's good. <laughs> big All fan. Right.
1: Thanks for clearing that up as far as the good stress and bad stress. Because you're talking about that when you're talking about nutrition and stuff and how you know, intermittent fasting is good because it you know, puts a stress in your body. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Just five minutes ago, you are saying you need to like, remove all stress.
3: Yeah, remove, the, remove the bad stress. The stress, you know, just running things over and over and over in your head. The main reason people are low in serotonin is because they don't shut the show off. You know, right. They just keep running things over and over, which means fine. You, know, you probably should have a conversation with that person. And if you can't have a conversation with person, then forgive them. Forgiveness is the world's best antidepressant and mm-hmm. anxiety medicine. Just forgive people. Forgive yourself. They didn't say they're sorry. No, no. I said forgive them. I didn't say work it. You know, I mean, you know, you've got to let it go. You know, you're. it's hurting you hanging on to it. Forgiveness it is go. the world's best antidepressant. Let yeah. it go. Singing that song is a bad stress. I agree. <laughs> so, I
4: was going to say that if you have difficulty, you know, I think that you bring up a good point. If you have... Uh, Things that you're running through in your mind um, in regards to relationships to talk with that person. And if you can't do that, um, do something for yourself. And I also would advocate it that if you have difficulty forgiving yourself, seek out a therapist.
2: Oh, Christ. Mm -hmm. This is not a mental episode.
4: (laughs) Well, it's, uh, you know, we're talking about health and mental health is important too. Um, So I just wanted to. Put I get in free
3: there. therapy every I day. Agree. My wife is a licensed clinical social worker, and I get free therapy every day, and it is fantastic. And oh, she'll—I'll awesome. walk in the door, and she goes, "There's something wrong with you." I'm like, "No, no, nothing. <laughs> no, something bad." I'm like, "No, it didn't." And you know, and, and she'll keep at it. She is persistent, and turn up like, "Oh my gosh, she's hundred percent right every time."
2: Does she have two master's degrees? <laughs> uh, well, no, she, she has one.
3: Okay, no, I, it's a—it's—it's a—it's uh, master's degrees. Well, that
2: means that Seth has more credentials than her. <laughs> No. I'm sorry. Do, that's, not, that's, talk, do, do not,
3: not. But everybody. Pete's, Pete's wife is my friend. cube
2: mate. Okay. Like, right, were, but that, that's an inside joke. That's an inside joke we have with Seth because he used to always. He didn't do it anymore, but he used to always let us know that he, he had me two masters degrees on his last <laughs> mental, saying that I'm the one that it's always. It's like it comes
4: up and, <laughs> Doctor G, I apologize. This this gang right here, I used to come on to episodes and say I'm a licensed clinical social worker and that <laughs> with two and that I have two master's degrees <laughs> that has stuck with the podcast since like day one and I can't seem to to get it to go away. So
2: <laughs> Well Doctor G, I'm I'm interested to know you know, I think we're probably about ready to wrap it up here if you could just kind of maybe give us like your cliff notes on how to prolong our lives, what would it be? Learn how to eat, not only what to eat,
0: but how to time it out. Learn how to be active because activity is good from so many levels. I can't explain it anymore. Um, Make sure your hormones are balanced. Make sure that you are nutrient, what I call complete and Make sure you're doing some type of self-repair every day in the form of sleep, in the form of meditation, prayer, whatever you need to down-regulate everything. Socially interact. Be involved. Tax your brain. Have purpose. And that's how you, you live long and live well, and you increase your health span. Awesome. I love
2: it. Amen. That was like, I a,
1: that was like an ultra call almost. That's it? <laughs> Well, cool, guys. I really appreciate you guys doing this on such short notice and obviously, um, you know, not knowing each other and, you know, gelling together. And I appreciate it. Like, really, I mean, you guys said from the beginning, it kind of like maybe flips out of the coin as far as what you think science is doing as far as this um, anti-aging thing. But it really seems like the more you guys talk, it's clear that you guys agree on far more then you might disagree. And so I just appreciate both of you guys coming on and being willing to have mm-hmm. this conversation. It's been a lot of fun.
2: Good to be here. Thank you. This episode of Fade to Gray was edited by Yours Truly. That's me. <laughs> Music is by Dan Coke at dancoke.net. If you like what you hear, make sure to go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Or if you'd like to be part of the conversation, join us at FadeToGreyPodcast.com and sign up to be a part of our Patreon program. Make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts as we have some really great episodes coming up soon. Thank you for listening to the Fade to Gray Network.